every day on the big show. What? Gordon and what? Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for a little What's Going On, where you take a look at uh, the other shows on the Zone Sports Network and uh, find out what's going on. Gordon, it's game day. Should we start uh, talking a little football? We will get to the the Ode to Angela Lansbury coming up a little later on in the segment. But uh, let's start by talking a little football. Here's uh, Hanson Scotty. They had Bill Wagner on, and he covers Navy and uh, gave uh, an interesting breakdown on the midshipmen. The uh, the overall culture there at Navy and and look we we're out here and we we cover Air Force every now and then when they play some of these local teams and and, and it seems like it uh, it goes in waves they'll they'll you know a class will come in and they'll eventually get to the point where we're really good and then it kind of drops off again uh, but outside as you mentioned that three and nine year. Ken Diamantalolo's had a high level of consistency there at Navy. What has he been able to do to try to continue to have good teams more often than not, year in and year out? Well, first of all, I will say that it was Paul Johnson, the previous coach, who really installed the culture of which you speak of what Navy football is all about. And Coach Diamantalolo has continued that and built on it. And basically, he said it on a recent press conference that the, the bottom line tenet of their of their program is love they love each other they have a, a brotherhood they talk about the navy football brotherhood and they are going to play for each other and have a camaraderie and a chemistry that's like no other they that's what they take pride upon that that they have something special in their program a bond that is that's unique to the naval academy and then of course there's all the other elements of toughness and and etc. that has become what Ken likes to call the Navy football culture. And he'll tell you every single year at the beginning of a new year after the season is over and they start looking ahead to the next season, the first thing he says they have to rebuild is the culture. They had, every team is different. Every team is new and the way it's, it's, you know, parts are put together. And that's the, what he works on during the offseason, during conditioning, winter conditioning, during spring ball and preseason. So, you know that he talks about culture more than anything there is, and that's and leadership. Obviously, it's a leadership institution. You've got you know in your senior class, it's an entire class of big time leaders, guys who are about to become officers in the Navy or the Marine Corps, and so it, there's a lot of leadership element too. And I think he believes that leadership is also what helps them maintain consistent winning. Hmm. I want to get your thoughts on, uh, and and I know that Scotty asked you a little bit about Malcolm Perry not coming back, but I want to get your thoughts on what it's going to look like, the kind of the the carries and the usage of this new quarterback combined with Jamal Crothers, combined with Nelson Smith, and and what they're going to try to do in the run game. How much usage and distribution do you expect from that quarterback? Well, that's a great question. And first of all, you talk about Malcolm Perry. The guy was drafted by the Miami Dolphins, and two days ago he made the active roster of the Miami Dolphins. So that's the caliber of player we're talking about, an NFL player. 
Um, so, and that's as a slot receiver. <laughs> he, he was a quarterback last year, and wow. he's already made the transition to slot receiver and made an NFL roster. But, that's impressive. You know, Dalen Morris is not Malcolm Perry. Malcolm Perry was one of a kind. Uh, Navy may not see another of his likes for 20 years, but Dalen Morris is, you know, not really a running quarterback. That's that's not his background. Um, you know, he can run the ball. I think if what runs you'll see out of him will be largely between the tackles because he's more of a bigger, powerful guy. Um, they say he does have the athleticism to do some damage on the perimeter, but I don't think you're going to see what you saw out of Malcolm Perry with the ability to take an option keeper and break it for 30, 40, 50-yard gain. Um, what Dale Morris does bring to the table is he can throw the ball. He was a, a quarterback in a spread passing offense in high school. Uh, from what we've seen of Dalen in practice, he is a very comfortable passer. He looks like a classic drop-back passer. He's a big, tall, you know, strong, sturdy guy. And that is one of the big question marks, those of us who cover the program. And we haven't been able to go to practice because of pandemic. Normally, I, I would have seen – 24, 25 Navy football practices by now, and I could tell you exactly what they're doing and what they're running. And But we are hearing that they may throw the ball a bit more to play to the strengths of Dalen Morris because he's a good passer and they've got some weapons in the passing game. I didn't Mike, mention Michael Cooper, who's an outstanding wide receiver, six foot three, 210 pounds, you know, good-looking wide receiver who I think is going to be a real go-to guy this year. I mentioned that Chance Warren was a wide receiver who's now a slot back, so we know he can catch the ball. C.J. Williams, a slot back, has always been a very uh, outstanding downfield threat in the passing game. You look at his numbers, he's caught a lot of passes over the last few years. So we're wondering, is Navy going to come out and chuck it around a little bit more than we're accustomed to seeing? All right, there you go. Breakdown on Navy. And, Gordon, you talked about it uh, at the beginning of the day today. You know, this should be a pretty good Navy team. Yes, uh, well, they're almost always good. Uh, Kenny Amatololo has had two losing seasons in his, uh, what's it been now, 13 years or something? I mean, this team consistently wins. And, boy, if this if this kid at quarterback can throw the ball around a little bit, how, how difficult will that be yeah. as far as adding that, uh, that bit of flexibility into what this team does? That's... That could be uh, something that BYU has to really keep an eye on. But they've got those running backs that are coming back, and they're really good, and they run the ball. I mean, they are one of the best. They're always near the top of the rushing stats in NCAA football. See, I think that the, the hot take alert, all right, I, I think that you always hear that about service academy quarterbacks. Well, they can throw the ball a little bit. Propaganda. You think so? Oh yeah. If if you're playing Navy, let your quarterback beat me. I would. The only way that quarterback's going to beat you for a service academy is if the run's working, so you have to sell out to stop it, and then mm-hmm. you know anybody can throw to a wide open receiver. That's what that's what they're talking about. If you stop the run, you're going to beat service academies because well, if you weird? make them pass, you know I don't care if uh, if they do. Ooh, he can throw the ball a little bit. Make him. Mate, I, I'd take that 100% playing against any of these teams. I, if if I stop the run enough to make them pass and they beat me, fine. That's the best service academy team of all time. But obviously it's the combination of the two that keeps everybody off balance. And uh, I have seen back when 
when BYU and Utah used to play Air Force, you know, they'd have a quarterback who could throw it a little bit, uh, just enough to punish you if you got sloppy. This quarterback that he was talking about, he was a third string before, uh, you know, after last year. Last year he was third string, and during the offseason he was third string, and then all of a sudden he bubbles up to the top. Now, you've got to be able to do something special in order to make that make up that kind of uh, ground. And if maybe maybe uh, Ken likes the way he can sort of te- keep teams off balance. I don't know that for a fact. I've never seen the kid play, but uh, he must be doing something right. You, you know, you see Gordon Knight went to Skyline High. I know a little something about the option, and I watched them play running backs at quarterback for years. And every time <laughs> they were running over a team and uh, had run for 350 yards, one of those running backs pretending to be a quarterback would hit a wide-open receiver for a touchdown, and they go, well, see, they can pass. It's like, no, not really. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you saying that Brandon Doman really couldn't throw the ball? Uh, mm, maybe the exception that proves the rule, <laughs> although he didn't throw the ball in high school. And, and uh, oh, no, 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 that wasn't Brandon. Never mind. But he didn't throw the ball a ton in high school. You remember Lavelle tried uh, for years to switch him to safety. Yeah, 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 uh, but he could throw it, and uh, it worked out. So, <sighs> I mean, he did make the San Francisco 49ers, right? <laughs> He did. At, at quarterback, he, they didn't switch him to slot receiver like this Perry kid. Well, we were talking about his time at Skyline, though. I saw him throw a few passes. Did you? Mm-hmm. All four of his pass attempts that year you saw? <laughs> Man, those were the days when Skyline football, they would get the ball. They, I remember, in fact, I was at a game once when they were behind – uh, in the final two minutes of the game, and they got the ball, and you just knew they were going to win. And I think Brandon Doman was the quarterback that year, and he just drove them right down the field, touchdown, game over. Now name another Skyline quarterback. Steve Tate. <laughs> okay, who did play safety at college. <laughs> All right, let's move on here and what's going on. Let's get to DJ and PK. Here's their conversation about independence and how it's helped BYU during this era. I'm very excited. I'm looking forward to this. You know, the other games have been nice, but I didn't have much of an interest, to be honest. Maybe Memphis a little bit, but outside of that, not a whole lot, not big-name programs. Well, BYU is one of the teams we obsess over, right? We watch every single game, and it's here. And it looked like it was going to be taken away, and now it's not. It's here, Labor Day. As I said, that's the window for college football, and it's one of our teams. Yeah, I think under the circumstances, my excitement level is about as high as he can get. I'm thinking Tom Homo's excitement level had to be pretty happy when he when he got the okay. Whether whether he got the word from Navy first or ESPN, it's like, yeah, Navy's going to go for this. Whatever it was, he had to be thinking, all right. Because that time slot, an opponent that's got a national rep, you know, nobody confuses them with the top of the Big Ten to the top of the SEC. But we all watch so much college football and follow so much college football, and Navy's in that group, you know, especially, especially lately. I mean, there was a time when they 
were terrible, but they've had a good 15, 20-year run here. Was it Pete Metter just told us 15 bowl games in 17 years and a couple 11-win seasons in the last five. So put that in the uh, 6 o'clock uh, time slot on ESPN. And uh, this is the best program the Cougars get to play. Whether it's the best team remains to be seen, but a chance to get the season off with a bang here if they can go back and handle the option. There has never been a run-up to any BYU game more than this in BYU history. What? We having some transmission issues? Yes! (laughs) What game have they ever, to prep you for it, on one of their other networks, played entire games the day before? That would be never. Okay, you got me there. But the anticipation for some other games has been very high. The anticipation combined with the absence of football across the country, not just the Pac-10 and the Big 12, but the fact that the ACC and Big, or excuse me, not just the Pac-12 and the Big 10, but the fact the Big 12 and the ACC are a week away and the SEC is three weeks away. Yes, that gives it some extra juice. Well, the run-up, the advertising for it, the promotion. Anticipation is whatever you want it to be. But these are actual facts where they were promoting it the whole time. And they were talking about it on Saturday. And they played the game last last year, Tennessee. They played the 13-13 Iowa game. They showed the last uh, possession there at Nebraska a few years. I think it was, what, five years ago? Yeah, five years ago. all that stuff. So they've never done that because there has been other stuff that has gotten in the way. BYU football is a brand name, but obviously it's not the biggest brand name. And now I can argue that to, to date, when this game is played, to date, It'll be the biggest brand name that has played football. And that is why these two teams are in the, uh, in the Monday night time slot. The best yeah. brand names playing this week. So when you look at it this way, this is the finest moment in the 10 years since BYU has gone independent. There's never been a better moment than this. In terms of exposure, which is why they did it in the first place. Even when they beat Nebraska five years ago, there was uh, or USC last year, there were other games on, and the audience was divvied up. Everybody's off following team, their team, their conference. So not everybody was watching when the Hail Mary landed in Nebraska, or when you when uh, USC got beat in overtime in Provo. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, all the other conferences were playing. If they had been in a conference this year, they would not be playing. What do you think about that, Gordo? I, I certainly see where PK's going. Yeah, I mean, which part? Because I'm still trying to get past, is this the most anticipated game uh, for BYU ever? Yes. Or it, it'll... Given the circumstances, 100%. Most anticipated. And he's 100% right about the stage. 
I mean, Gordon, over the weekend, I, I know you, uh, you know, are probably tuning in and out of radio and that sort of thing. But uh, people are talking about these minuscule games just because they're happening. They're making national uh, highlight packages and, and uh, talking about it on Fox Sports Radio and all these national uh, talking about Austin P football. And BYU is going to be the biggest name to go yet. You know, go so far, and Navy's no slouch either. They've built, as you've you've said a number of times on the show, they've built a mighty fine football program at uh, at Navy. This is going to be a much anticipated, much viewed game. He's right about the hype too. I mean, I saw that uh, that uh, BYU Nebraska finish about thirteen hundred times online uh, this weekend. I mean, it's it, it's a unique circumstance. So. Um, you know, uh, I know PK went with the hot take headline there first, but, you know, you certainly can make that argument. Is this bigger than when BYU played Oklahoma, the defending national champs? Uh, at Jerry World, nonetheless? Uh, I bet it gets it more. Bigger it's going to get 19... more. What? Sorry. Is it bigger than 1984 when they played third-ranked Pittsburgh? Who turned out to stink, right? Yeah, they did. Um, I would say, I mean, they're they're they were competing for attention in both those circumstances. They're going to have the entire college football audience captivated uh, all to themselves. Hmm. That's true. It's true. And people are starved for football right now. But I think you said it right at the beginning of the show, Jake. The numbers on tonight's game are going to be really, really high off the charts. I agree. I mean, Kirk Herbstreet tweeted about it today. He's going to be on the call. I mean, ESPN sending uh, their number one crew. Uh, they're on big ESPN. You know, no ESPN news for BYU tonight. You know, they're they're going to have that big boy channel all to themselves. And, you know, Navy is a national program with a national audience. BYU, we've talked about it a lot, has a national audience. I, I think the numbers are going to be great on this thing. And you know what? Their audience, their national audience probably won't even matter. Because it's going to be college football. People that want to see college football. People that want to bet on college football. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, they have it. So now what do you do with it once you get it? This is the kind of game that if BYU goes out and lays an egg, <laughs> they'll have egg all over their faces. So you you have the great opportunity to do with it. And the irony of the whole thing is, like you were talking about earlier, this game was put together really quickly, and uh, the, the the great schedule BYU was supposed to play absolutely crumbled. And so they make up for the difference with this particular situation. And uh, then it goes after Army, it goes downhill pretty fast from there. All right, you want to hear this? I'm not song? saying those teams are. I'm not saying those teams are good. I mean, I don't know whether they're any good or not. But they certainly don't carry the marquee value of some of the other teams that would have been on the schedule otherwise. All right, you want to hear this uh, song Johnny Lifeo put together? So, Alrighty. here's the deal. Hans and Scotty were talking about Mariah Carey wrote some songs about Derek Jeter, and Hans read the lyrics, and hilarity ensued, of course. Johnny Lightfoot took those lyrics and uh, the idea that Hans confessed his love for Angela Lansbury when he was a kid, and uh, Johnny put together this, an ode to Angela. It wasn't raining yet, 
but it was definitely a little misty on that warm November night, and my heart was pounding, my inner voice resounding, begging me to turn away, but I just had to see your face to feel alive, and then you casually walked in the room, and I was twisted in the web of my desire for you, and I was twisted, I was twisted, my apprehension blew away. I only wanted you to taste my sadness as you kissed me in the dark. I am thinking of you in my sleepless solitude tonight. If it was wrong to love you, then my heart just won't let me be right. Because I've drowned in you, and I won't pull through without you by my side. I'd give my all to have you. Just one more night with you. I'd risk my life to feel you next to me. Because I can't go on living in this memory. Of our song, I'd give my all for your love tonight. Amazing. Unbelievable. Amazing. The background vocals make the whole thing. Kiss me tonight. I'm telling it right now. Uh, hang on here a second. Hey, Chester, come on in. Oh, no. I am thinking of you. <laughs> that may be the creepiest song I've ever heard. <laughs> creepy. Creepy, creepy. <laughs> Crawling creepy. I think it's incredible. I think it's incredible, too. The way to go, Johnny Lightfoot. Because really, the, the auto-tune backup vocals were, were just <laughs> incredible. Okay, what, the, what, the, what the hell was Hans reading? What was he doing? Mariah Carey lyrics, I told you. The, written about Derek Jeter. And, and he was essentially channeling that toward Angela Lansbury? That he was. I'd risk my life to feel you next to me. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. That so, funny. so yeah, Mariah wrote a couple of songs about Jeets, and uh, Hans read the lyrics, and then it, now Angela Lansbury's involved. All right, uh, coming up next, we're going to talk to our friend Jared Lloyd from the Provo Daily Herald. Uh, speaking of Hans, uh, pregame coverage for the BYU-Navy game begins at 5. Until then, it is the Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280. The Zone 1 reminding about our friends at Syringa Networks, home to complete business, telecom, and IT solutions. Backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Austin and I have been having some random conversations today. Have you ever taken the Amtrak, Gordon? I, I'm assuming the answer to that is no, but you ever had that experience? The Amtrak. Yeah. Uh... I did take the Amtrak once. Here in yes, Salt Lake, or are you talking about no. the one that goes from, like, D.C. to Philly? Yeah, I, I took that one. I took that one from uh, from up to New York City. So, yeah, okay. 
I, I took one from Salt Lake to Denver and back once and have some funny stories about that experience. What happened? Oh, do you know what they do on Amtrak when they uh, they find somebody who didn't purchase a ticket and just was a stowaway? No, what do they do? <laughs> well, uh, they oh, uh, you know what? I'll I'll tell this story later. How about that? Well, let's call it a tease. We have uh, football to talk, Gordon, because it's game day. Uh, let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us now from the Provo Daily he- uh, Herald, he covers BYU. He is Jared Lloyd. Hey, Jared, this this feels really good to say. Happy game day, buddy. How are you? Oh, man, doesn't that feel great? We never even knew if this was going to come, and it just sounds great to hear you say it. It sounds great to even think it. So, yeah, I'm I'm pumped. I'm glad we're getting a game to, to enjoy tonight. Do you have any idea, Jared, about how this game is going to go? Because Navy typically can run the football. Do you think BYU's defense is up to that challenge, considering the way they struggled in that regard at times last year? I think that we're going to learn a lot about this particular team. I mean, the the reality of last year, guys, was the fact that, you know, BYU played a lot of freshmen and sophomores. They had a lot of inexperience on the field. And in doing so, you saw a lot of mistakes. And then, you know, they they tried to cover up some of those mistakes by dropping a lot of players, preventing the deep ball. You know, the, the, the big play really tried to, you know, to stop doing that. But they had their moments when they played pretty well. Um, but this is a Navy team that's going to be happy to take five yards, you know, and I, I don't think BYU is going to be able to stop them. I think they'll have their moments. And, you know, having a guy like Kairos Tonga in the middle help take away the dive on the triple option, that makes a big difference. If you can take away the dive, that limits the options. And, and you know, between Bracknell Bakery and, and Kairos Tonga, I think that's going to help BYU. But it, the, the real question to me is how do the linebackers hold up as far as reading their keys correctly, moving to the right spot, and keeping Navy from just churning out. I mean, we saw what Army did to, to Middle Tennessee. They just churned out these, you know, these long drives. I think they had a 19-play, 99-yard drive. That's what the option wants to do. And these BYU linebackers and secondary as well, particularly the safeties, I think, have to read those keys correctly. I think that they're more experienced. They've had a lot of time to work on it. But now we'll see if it translates on the field. I think Navy's going to have success. I think BYU's going to have some moments. So I think it'll kind of be back and forth in that sense. Jared, you've uh, you've covered BYU for a long, long time. And, um, you know, as I've covered the team, the best BYU teams seem to always, I shouldn't say always, but, but seem to be when they have an upperclassman quarterback who can stand back there and deal. And I'm uh, eager to see if that's Zach Wilson. What do what do you give me your thoughts on him coming off last season, and can he be the next B, uh, BYU quarterback to stand back there and pick defenses apart? This is a big year for him because last year, coming off the surgery and having the thumb injury and some of the other injuries, you know, there's there's a reason to say, okay, last year might have been a bit of an aberration. I, I felt like he really needed to improve some decision making. So he's got to show it this year. Now, he does have an advantage in theory that that offensive line is another year older, another year more experienced, and has the chance, has the potential to be pretty good. And if you're a quarterback, having a good offensive line in front of you sure makes your life a lot easier. So that's the, you know, in my opinion, that makes a big difference if their offensive line is able to play to that potential, 
They're able to run the ball. That's going to make it a lot easier for Zach Wilson to make smart decisions. But you're right. BYU needs a quarterback who can step back there, handle pressure. Navy's going to come after him. I mean, that's what Navy does. They're going to they're going to try and bring more people than BYU has blockers, and they're going to try and force Zach Wilson to read that, read where the hot route is, and make the right decision. If he's able to do that, I think BYU wins the game. I mean, th- this to me is is really kind of maybe the 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 biggest test he might face all year as far as that goes. And so we'll learn we'll we'll learn where he's at. I think he's got the potential to do it. I think he's got the physical t- skills. My question is is he ready mentally for this type of challenge? If he is, BYU probably wins. I talked to the coaches. It's like. They want to graduate that offense to the point, Jared, where they can put pressure on every corner of the field. Now, the question against the Navy is do they, how do they do that? Are they going to try and take that big offensive line and power, uh, power it down the field? Or will Zach Wilson really get an opportunity to show that arm off and throw it all over the place? I think that, in my opinion, particularly when you look up the matchup between BYU's offensive front and Navy's defensive front and the fact that Navy wants to bring a lot of pressure, I think BYU will start trying to establish the run. But you've got to keep that defense honest because they're going to bring a lot of guys. They're going to try and run blitz and fill the gaps and make it so you know Tyler Algier and Lopini Katoa don't have holes to run through. Now, that's going to put the pressure on Wilson to keep him honest. But I think as the game goes on, I think BYU, and particularly Jeff Grimes, I mean, he's an offensive line guy. He loves wearing teams down when he can. And I think that they, they, I think they, the, the, they'll try and do that. I think they'll try and wear down the Navy defense. But, you know, Wilson's going to have to make some big plays. You know, BYU's probably going to face some third and longs. They're going to face some situations where – you know, in the red zone where they're going to need him to make really good reads and really good throws. But I, I, I expect them to lean a little heavier on the run game, even with Wilson coming back and being more experienced, just because I think that, uh, you know, I think they have a lot of confidence in the running backs and in that offensive line. Jared Lloyd is with us from the Provo Daily Herald here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, what do you expect from Navy to today, Jared? What kind of team are we going to see with the midshipmen? Well, this is an interesting I, – I, you know, you look at their offense, and their offense is so well run. I mean, they're so disciplined. They know exactly what they want to do. I love how Ken Niamatololo and his, and his staff get the team ready. Yeah, they've got a new quarterback. They're, they lost Malcolm Perry from last year, and he was unbelievable. I mean, that guy, you watch him play, he was really, really, really good. But because of the system being so ingrained as it is, I don't expect them to take a a big step back. They know what they want to do. They know how they want to do it. They want to take advantage of every single little mistake that a defense makes, and BYU's got to minimize those. And I think think Navy's going to have some success. I think they'll have some plays – you know, or some drives where it just works there, you know, BYU makes mistakes and they'll take advantage of them. You know, and on the other side, Navy likes to bring a lot of pressure. They like to attack. They don't, they don't like to just sit back and, you know, kind of play passively. They like to go after teams. So BYU's got to be ready for both of those approaches. And, you know, you, you know, when you're going up against a service academy that you're going to face disciplined, determined athletes they may not be you know the five-star high profile you know guys coming out of high school like you'll see at tennessee or usc or those types of things but they're going to understand what they want to do and they're going to do it really well and the question is can you do it better than they do 
can you overcome their discipline with your own discipline and your own skills? And that's what BYU faces in this game. So do you think it'll be one of those deals, Jared, where it's uh, it's a high-scoring affair and the defenses are just going to be hanging on? Or do you think it'll be more, you know, tradition, traditional scoring, 24-17, that kind of thing? I think it'll be in the 20s because I think you're going to see both. I mean, it's the first game, and it's a weird game with no no fans. You know, it's going to be their first time really – you know, playing in this scrimmage type game because it's more like a scrimmage at the stadium in some regards, you know, in fall camp because it's just going to be different because of the pandemic. So I think you're going to see all of the units have moments of brilliance and moments where they, you know, they make mistakes and have issues. And that's common in a first game. So I expect the game to be in the 20s and I expect it to be a battle. I don't think, my opinion, I don't see one of these teams running away with it. You know, what I look at, what I see from both squads, I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to come down to the end. My prediction, you know, in in the newspaper this weekend was that uh, Navy would make the final play because they're at home and, you know, that their discipline is going to outlast them. But I won't be surprised either direction. I just expect it to be a really great game, and I'm looking forward to seeing it happen on the field. I'll tell you what, Jared, so are we, and we're looking forward to uh, reading your work uh, in regards to the game as well. And appreciate you coming on and helping us preview it, man. Jake, Always a pleasure, guys. I, I Enjoy the game. Question for you. Oh yeah, what is it? Jared, what do you got for me, Gordon? I I just want to know whether you think BYU the players will be nervous having the nation's eyes on them nationally televised game. Do you think they'll be a little jumpy? I I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little bit of that early on. But I mean, a lot of these guys played at Tennessee. They played USC on national television. I mean, they're used to playing on big. You know, they played a Boise State team that was highly ranked. I mean, they're they they played in these types of games. It'll be more weird without the fans and that you know kind of the circumstances with COVID nineteen and everything. I think that'll might throw them off more. So I expect there'll be some nerves, but I, I, I suspect as well that they'll settle in and just play the game. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's football, and that's what these guys do, and, and that's what they're prepared for. So that's what I expect to see in, in the game today. Thanks, Jared. Appreciate your work. Hey, thanks, guys. It's our friend Jared Lloyd from the Provo Daily Herald. I'm giving you a little preview for college football going down tonight. 6 o'clock kickoff for BYU and Navy. 5 o'clock pregame right here on the Zone Sports Network. I'm thinking, uh, Gordon, so maybe Jake, I'm being... Give, oh, sorry, go he's ahead. Giving, he's, he's giving Navy the edge. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, am I being too optimistic? I think BYU wins. Yeah, I, I'm not as... I, I'm not as convinced as you are of that. I know. I, I think they've got the quarterback in the O-line. And, you know, slowing down the option is never easy. But, uh, you know, give me a stud interior defensive lineman to give them trouble. And BYU has that. You know, historically, I think BYU secondary is actually pretty good this year. Uh, but historically, that's been where they've been vulnerable. So I don't think Navy's taking advantage of that anytime soon. I I think I give BYU I think BYU wins. Maybe I'll look foolish tomorrow because I thought I thought the Jazz would win Game Five of their playoff series and look what happened. But I think BYU wins today. <laughs> well, that that secondary you were talking about, every one of those guys has to play a certain role, and if any one of them blows a play, it's it's a touchdown. And so if they're up to that, then then they'll be all right. 
Uh, I think they have to hang on enough to allow their offense to uh, to do what it's going to do. And I, I don't know how that's going to look, especially we didn't ask Jared about the loss of Matt Bushman, but I, I wonder what effect that's going to have on that offense. Well, I think, of course, it's going to have an effect. No doubt. No doubt. A target like that. Uh, but I still, I'm with you. I always agree with you on the, the O-line. If you've got a strong O-line, you've got a potential to be a really good offense. I mean, if if Utah's, um, last year, if Utah's offensive line was as experienced as the rest of the offense, how good could they have been offensively? So do you agree with Jared? Do you think BYU is going to come out and Jeff Grimes is going to have a flashback to his first year as offensive coordinator and they're just going to play tough power football? No, I don't think that's going to happen. But Jared would know better than me. I think they're going to I think they're going to go out at, uh, go out and I think they're going to throw it. Not Mike Leach uh, air raid throw it, Gordon. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're yeah. they're going to I think you'll see a variety of different running backs and they'll certainly establish the run. I mean, Grimes isn't going to go against uh, his own coaching DNA, but I think they're going to rely on Zach Wilson to win them some football games and and sit back there and throw some receivers open and make some big plays. I think that's that's what it's going to come down to for this BYU offense. And I think they've got the line to do it. You know, that line establishes a, a run and then give uh, Zach Wilson plenty of time and some play-action opportunity, and I think it's a recipe for success. So it's not the old days of 90% pass and 10% run. It's it's uh, more, you're thinking, maybe 55, 45, yeah, 60, 40? Yeah. Somewhere in there, right. Yeah. Where I, I expect uh, Zach will have a few 300-yard games under his belt this year. Well, he certainly is going to have the opportunity against some of the defenses he's facing. Right, right. All right, we'll have uh, more Big Show coming up straight ahead. Stay tuned. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We'll talk uh, more college football coming up. Do you want to hear this Amtrak story? Because I've only taken yeah. Amtrak like like once in my entire life, and I couldn't believe uh, this when it happened. You want to hear uh, Let's hear it. All right. Uh, so I, we were going, my brother and I were going from Salt Lake to Denver. My dad had a, a conference out there, and we were going to go hang out in Denver. But my mom, uh, when she was a kid, had taken the Amtrak from Salt Lake to Denver. And uh, it's very pretty. And she thought that this is something that you have to do at least once in your life to see this part of the world, right? You know, it goes through some beautiful mountain passes and et cetera, et cetera. It takes you about 15 hours to get there. She didn't tell me that before I signed up for this whole thing. But uh, anyway, it is, it is quite pretty. But on the way back from Denver to Salt Lake, we, we started slowing down. And let me tell you, Gordon, we were in the middle of nowhere, like a mountain pass in the middle of the Rocky Mountains. And uh, we're slowing down. And so I asked somebody who's on the train with us, I said, why, why are we slowing down? And they said, oh, I think they found somebody who didn't have a ticket. I thought, oh, like a, like a stowaway? And they're like, yeah, we found somebody who didn't have a ticket. 
So lo and behold, do you know what they do with people they find that don't have tickets, Gordon? They don't kick them off the train, do they? Stop the train in the middle of nowhere and kick the dude off. Oh, come on. (laughs) I had no idea that that was a thing. I'm I'm telling you, they left that guy for dead. I mean, as the train starts moving again, you know, ever so slowly, we see the guy walking past our window. It's like, and I looked around, man. There wasn't a road. There wasn't anything. Nothing. For as far as the eye could see, this poor son of a gun just had to, I don't know. Follow the tracks, I guess. This was Gamboni Railroad. What were, what, were, what mafia train were you on, Jake? It was your regular Amtrak. I couldn't believe it. Oh, they don't Jake. find the guy, or 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 you know, I don't know, cite him with trespassing. Drop no, him at the next stop. They leave you for dead, or at least this particular train did. How can you do that? You can kill somebody doing that. I, I don't know. Like, you leave them out there, some wild animal might get them. There's, they, they, do they give them a pack of water and food? or what? I mean, Not they, this guy. They, how, get, they how, give them a six-shooter, but with one bullet. <laughs> how, far, how far was the nearest town? Uh, I, you know what? I don't remember exactly, Gordon, but far. I mean, far. And even if it weren't far, you're in the mountains. Right. They're, what is this? Is this is this like 1865 or something? Well, when did the when did the two uh, railroads connect? That was uh, six, uh, 1869. Yeah, yeah. You were a, a sprout seven years old. Yeah, I was young then. But you know, I mean, what is it? The, the old Wild West? Get off! Well, it, the get policy off our would, train. The policy would certainly discourage. You know, that sort of behavior. But Austin brought up a good point when I told him this story off the air, that uh, it'd be like an airplane. Like, you found out somebody didn't have a ticket on the airplane. They're like, hey, brace yourself, everyone. We're going to pop the hatch for a minute. Take it to 20,000. <laughs> We're going to pop the hatch and uh, and toss this guy off. There's he two backpacks. Choose wisely. Didn't buy a ticket. One's full of snacks. One's full of a parachute. No, but you say that, Gordon. I, I thought the same thing when I'm watching this happen. I'm, th- I'm thinking, what year is this? What is going on? If you don't buy a did, ticket did, and you're a stowaway, they just leave you for dead? Did somebody, like, tie him down to the track so the next <laughs> train could run right over? With a twisty m- mustache? Yes. Yeah. Was this some sort of melodrama? I, <laughs> I guess. I, I don't know. Might have preferred that to starving to death in the wilderness. <laughs> I can't. I, I, Jake, I have a hard time believing that. No, it happened. I'm not kidding. If Gordon told us the story, there's no way we believe Austin, it. Austin, will you please uh, call the railroad and find out what their <laughs> policy is on this? Because uh, now, I, I mean, unless you're some kind of repeat offender, but even then. I can't. Okay. Maybe I I don't know. Well, there but, wouldn't be repeat offenders in this scenario. <laughs> I guess the the fact that he didn't have a ticket was I suppose rumor. But I saw the man outside the train as the train was pulling away. Did he have a single solitary tear rolling <laughs> no, down his he cheek? He just looked like uh, kind of a your I guess not run of the mill guy. He had more of a, a rough look to him, I suppose. But like not you know. Didn't look like he was prepared for the wilderness. Oh, I'll tell you see. that. He didn't look like Bear Grylls. No, that's okay. It didn't look like... It looked like bear food. I mean, we could have been, honestly, 100 miles from anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from anything. Well, I've, heard, I've heard that guys who are jumping off and on freight trains, that that can be uh, chancy from a standpoint of your well-being. But a passenger train? They're going to kick you off in the middle of Egypt? Well, uh, in this case, Colorado. But yeah. I, 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 
buy a I ticket. A I'll tell you what, I made that. sure I made sure they knew I had a ticket. One hundred percent. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't want to get to eighty sixth in the middle of the wilderness. <laughs> I, so I don't know what, so- what would you do? I asked Austin, what would you do? You'd follow the tracks, I guess, because wandering aimlessly probably isn't going to be all that productive. No, you quite literally could die. Right. So I guess you follow the tracks, and eventually, when you come to a town, you stop. I don't know. So but long we as the bears by, don't find you, we yeah. weren't by a road. God, it'd be one thing <laughs> if it were like by a freeway where you could hitchhike or something. But who was in the middle of nowhere? I wish this well, was the law for uh, for breaking. If you don't use your blinker, we drive you to the middle of the Rockies and we leave you. And for we dead. let you. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> You don't Jake, care that, about society. That, society don't care about you. That, that just that just seems ridiculous. I mean, I understand you got to protect your product and not, and all that, but not at the peril of someone's life. Well, he might have survived. I don't know. Can't you like? Don't they have like a cell they can put him in and just leave him in there and then let the authorities <laughs> take care of their yeah, business? Yeah, can't but, they just tie him to the top and then say, right. "Well, we'll but what see. kind of message would that send?" They'd have freeloaders uh, left and right. <laughs> no, they wouldn't. Not if they were going to jail. This is a much better deterrent. You still I gotta, get a free ride. I, I got to say that. I, I think this is much uh, much better deterrent are you than, sure? some, than some are misdemeanor. You sure? <laughs> Maybe the guy wanted to get off. Maybe this Maybe. was a railroad wait, 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 wait. plant. You can't, uh, Gordon, this is a train that takes a great effort to stop. <laughs> you can't just walk up to the engineer and go, excuse me, sir, but I'd like to get off. I don't think it works that way. Fifth and Broadway, please. <laughs> you know what? I saw a stream back away. It looked like I could pull some trout out of there. You think you could just, you know. Can you just jettison me there? <laughs> just knock, knock it down and stop for a couple minutes. I'll just jump right off. It's all good. What did the guy have with him? Did he have a suitcase? No, did nothing. He have- Zero. They took it off. Oh, they you took know his what? shoes. I take that back. I think he had a backpack. Uh. See, I, I think this could have been a railroad plant so that everyone else sees it and then tells everyone they meet in their life about it, and Listen, then no one gets a free you ride. Do, you do not want to be a stowaway yeah. on an Amtrak train. That's going to end badly he for you. He just had to stand out there for 10 minutes, and then a chopper came and got and him. Picked yeah. him up, you know. Uh, I'm, word I'm of mouth kind of thing. We got to find out. We got to find out whether that's legit or not. Whether that's the the true consequence, because I that's unimaginable to me. But was it worth? Was it worth it? Did your mom wanted you to experience that? Was it something that uh, that was worth your time? Yeah. Was that a fine way of traveling the country? Uh. So I tell the truth. No, I'll tell the truth. And. Uh, so it, it's gorgeous. Like, we live in a really beautiful place. And a train ride through the Rocky Mountains it was great. But it was really long. <laughs> it, was, it was really, really long. And going through some of those mountain passes when you're only going like six miles an hour, <laughs> it's like, oh, man, can we just get there? <laughs> what kind of train were you on? I mean, six miles an hour. What was this? Uh, some sort of choo-choo train from again? You're talking Gordon, about something from the 1800s. Gordon, here. it's the Rocky Mountains. It's one. It's like the one of the steepest, biggest mountain ranges in the entire world. <laughs> you can't really take those turns quickly. We're talking about a big old long train. I took a train in the Alps once, and I don't remember it slowing down to six miles an hour. All right, Gordon, comparing uh, the, the Amtrak to whatever luxury bullet train you took in the Dern Alps. Is, <laughs> the I don't Buxenberg. Think, yeah, right. I don't think uh, that's exactly comparable. 
<laughs> I've ridden a lot of trains in my day, and I've never seen anybody thrown off the train. I mean, did they did they literally throw him off the train? <laughs> they grabbed him by the collar and the belt and heaved him out. I, I don't know. I don't know because I, I didn't see that part of it, but I really hope so. I really hope they had him by the back of the collar and by the the belt, and they gave it a good swing, a good heave-ho. On three! <laughs> because you might as well. <laughs> you might as well. Head first don't into a me. snowbank. Was the train, like, held up by the uh, hole-in-the-wall gang, too? I mean, no. <laughs> But uh, that did cross my oh, mind as we were slowing down. I thought, why on earth are we slowing down? Are we being robbed? And then, no, the person next to me was like, no, they found somebody without a ticket. I said, without a ticket? Are they just going to throw him off? And then, lo and behold, to see the guy walking. Like, yep. That's the law exactly, is the law. That's exactly what they did. <laughs> Did Deputy Dog show up? <laughs> it was just kind of like crazy. It sounds like, you know, was Wyatt Earp involved in this? By the way, Gordon, I, I just Googled it. The train ride from Salt Lake to Denver is 15 hours and 8 minutes. So don't give me this. Know, Why is it like so long? It's like, does it, is it stopping in Grand Junction? Is it stopping uh, Steamboat Springs en route? I mean, what's what's taking it so long? I think there was a stop in Grand Junction, uh, actually. But. It's it's because wow. you can't go 100 miles an hour in a train through those mountain passes, Gordon. That's, that's not how it works. <laughs> Pull a train. That's funny. All right, stay tuned. <laughs> we'll get to uh, we'll get to more football coming up next. It is the big show, 97.5 and 1280 the zone.